this phrase for such a time as this and you look back and you, you see the intricate pieces of the story that God has weaved together even out of our own ridiculous human decision his plan still finds a way to shine through. Yeah. And and we see that in this story as much as any other in Scripture, and it's powerful to look back at and see why we celebrate and should celebrate Purim, and um, where's what we're looking at today. Now, of course, as he's talking about the blood and timbers, uh, the bread and wine, that also reminds you when you hit Purim, it's 30 days before Passover, right. or Easter, the resurrection, and so we'll be talking about that uh Blood and timber and mm-hmm. bread and wine. Just in 30 days, I'll be back for that one. It's uh, absolutely one of my favorite uh, times of year. I just don't think, you know, I say that probably on every festival or feast. Mm-hmm. I just really love this time. It's your favorite at the time. <laughs> but favorite Passover, the time. it wins all of those. <laughs> it really, if, if we're really going to say which is the favorite, that's the one. Well, one of the parts of Purim is giving. and is. And we're encouraging people to give today as well. And, you know, the Bible always tells us the way we give is in proportion to the way he's blessed us or blessed mm. you and so uh, they're taking this time to make a perm appeal and appreciate all of those who are calling or going online and giving because it's that time of year and I don't know why something about February and so as we get into March you know we, it's it's that catch up kind of a time if we can gather uh, enough to meet all the needs and so this is just it's this yearly thing it happens and so yeah. perm is a great time to say you know God set apart a time special time just forgiving and he gave to us on Passover and this is a giving that's going to happen in the future in the end times and so yeah, it's, a, it's a neat time so uh, if you could uh, Kelly's upstairs 770-781-9150 call and give and uh, help us to do what we do or you can go online victory.radio and uh, take care of it that way now we've been on this track of history right yeah because you know you read the book of esther and you just kind of gonna have to figure it out where it's at if you go to wikipedia they're going it's just a story it's not true well it's like you pointed out earlier too that it it looks like it happens in this quick little time frame but it's really there's a a lot more to it than what it seems well it is and of course i mentioned earlier we kind of tracked down the amalekites and uh, this guy by the name of amalek and his lineage and i said we're going to set him aside well it's time for the villain of the story to appear (laughs) bring him back off the shelf it's time to bring old amalek and the amalekites back and also to see just how determined god is to accomplish his will Mm -hmm. so esther is now queen and all is well then during the 12th month of Adar, this evil Haman is appointed prime minister of the empire. It's kind of weird. Everything's going well in your life, and suddenly, it's like, what happened here? Well, that's what happened. The king commanded all to bow to him, and this is where it begins. Mordecai, Esther's uncle, defied the orders, refused to bow to Haman because, as a Jew, he could only bow to God. Also, Haman wore an image of the idol he worshipped on his chest, and Mordecai couldn't bow to him without appearing to worship that idol. So there's more to the story than just, you know, it's not just attitude going on here. So listen to Esther 3. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not kneel down or pay him honor, he was enraged. Yet having learned who Mordecai's people were, he scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews, throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. So this is not an anger issue. (laughs) This guy is something altogether different. So 
It's called the book of Esther, but both Esther and Haman's names are mentioned the same amount, 54 times each. So the the Jews say equal light, equal darkness. So but however you want to look at it, this is a character that God wants you to take a look at. So it's obvious that Haman is not just a guy with an anger problem. He is an antichrist. He advances instantly from anger to rage to genocide. This is not a healthy thing. So Haman perfectly symbolizes the Antichrist. The closest word in biblical Hebrew for Antichrist is surer, which translates as enemy. And Haman is referred to as surer four times. Just like Haman plotted to destroy, kill, and annihilate all the Jews of Persia, young and old, infants and women in a single day, the Antichrist will try to kill every Jew and Christian. Just as Haman wasn't satisfied to only punish Mordecai, but united all 127 nations of Persia in his evil plot, likewise, the Antichrist will unite the nations to attack the people and nation of Israel and the Christians. So Haman was also one of the wealthiest men of his time. He acquired that those riches. He seized the treasures of the kings of Judah. And he's a descendant of King Agag of Amalek. Yes, those Amalekites. One of the worst enemies of the Jewish people. Now, from the earliest days, remember, God commanded Israel to blot out the memory. I mean, not just kill these people. Blot out the memory of them from under heaven, and you shall not forget. But, you know, they ignored it. It's a command. Israel had victories over them as they entered the promised land, but they never finished the job. And now, if you remember, Amalek came from the line of Esau. Back when Jacob brought his family home for the first time, he had to face Esau, whom he had betrayed. Jacob and all of his sons bowed low. The two estranged brothers reconciled. Everything was nice. But, of course, there's always a catch, and these are the things where these generations get involved. As it turns out, one of Jacob's sons didn't bow to Esau because he couldn't. Benjamin, who was in Rachel's womb at the time, hadn't been born yet. But, you know, if you're going to get angry about something. So, according to the ancient Midrash for Esther 3, Mordecai refusing to kneel to Haman was offensive enough. Still, with hundreds of years of all this family animosity, Mordecai's slight of him became even more unbearable. Haman was enraged that he wouldn't bow. When he discovered he was a Jew and that he was a Benjaminite, well, all the worse. Haman began to persuade the king that the Jews of the empire were not loyal and should be destroyed. And he even offered to pay for it all. This is how evil this guy is. So in the first month of Nisan, which is next month, Haman cast lots to find a date to spring the trap. The lot fell nearly a year away in the 12th month of Adar. So Haman convinces the king to issue a decree ordering the extermination of all the Jews, young and old, women and children, and the entire kingdom in one day on the 13th of Adar. Now remember, there's so much revolt in the kingdom that he's going, sure, you want to help me fix this? Oh, let's do that. Haman also wrote in the order to each province that they were to plunder all the possessions of the Jews. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. Usually the Jews' possessions would have become the king's property. So Haman made their possessions free for the taking, ensuring everyone would participate in the massacre. So not only can you kill them, but if you kill them, you can have whatever you can they have. You can have their stuff, yeah. So this is as evil as you can get. So if you ever wonder, is Haman really evil? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, he When was. Mordecai learned of the plot, he tore his clothes, convinced all the Jews in the capital to wear sackcloth, repent, fast, and pray. And across the empire, whenever the Jews heard the edict, there was great mourning. So Mordecai asked Esther to appeal to the king 
but she was too afraid because it was forbidden even for her to approach the king without being asked. And remember, I've told you a lot about mm-hmm. Xerxes, and uh, it's reasonable. Mordecai responds, Do not think in your heart that you'll escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Mm. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether, you want to say the words, you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's a classic phrase. Who doesn't like that phrase? So Esther asked Mordecai to gather all the Jews of the city to fast and pray with her for three days before she approached the king. On the third day, Esther's invited to visit the king, and she, in turn, asked the king and Haman to join her for a feast. At the dinner, the king offered to give her anything she desired, even up to half the kingdom. But she only asked for the king and Haman to attend another banquet the next day. (laughs) This girl had some style. She was setting him up really bad. So we'll come back and tell you the next story, which is another little piece of history that uh, I think is fascinating. The Bible translators had it, you know, incorrect for a very long time. Now I think they've pretty much have corrected things. So, but it's a fascinating little piece of history.